Puddles in the morning, puddles in the evening, puddles in the afternoon. Well, I'm a puddle boy and she's a puddle girl. The Puddles Podcast is starting real soon. All right, welcome to Puddles with Andrew Collin, a.k.a. Puddle Boy, a.k.a. Dry Dick, a.k.a. Poop Hands, a.k.a. Uh, Garbage Face, a.k.a. Mice, a.k.a. Uh, Old Gray Balls, a.k.a. Twelve Falls, a.k.a. ATC, a.k.a. a.k.a. Whew, got through it, memorized it, gave myself all those nicknames. We got a great show today. Uh, this guy is uh, has been on Jimmy Fallon, more than Jimmy Fallon. Uh <laughs> <laughs> it's practically his late night show. Pete Lee's coming after you, but we'll, you know we can talk about that. And um, and then this guy, he has two specials on Netflix right now. He's got a half hour, and then he's got a special that came out I think last year, Tennessee Kid, a year and a half ago. Uh, Nate Bargatze has joined me. Yo, hey, you know I don't think I feel like your setup, your life has not changed at all since coronavirus. I feel yeah. like you have lived like this. You're sitting where you sit. I mean, do you think anything that you wear in that shirt, your sweater, like, I mean, I don't, your hair, your mustache. I don't, I mean, if, if you, this is the first time you're hearing about the coronavirus, I wouldn't be surprised. You're like, something's going on. Like you wouldn't, you know. I was still worried about AIDS. I didn't even know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I yeah, no, that's, that's the real virus we should be going after right now. Dude, I I mean, I don't know. Are you a hypochondriac? Are you like bunkering down? I mean, I I I did one bit of research. I typed in coronavirus deaths in Nashville to get an understanding of where you're at and where are you mentally with this? Like uh yeah, I'm I'm all right. I mean, it's, you know, the it's obviously sad people are dying, but it's also I don't know, man, like uh everybody's doing what they got to do. Everybody's doing everybody's uh doing the right things here. No one's not taking it not serious you know I mean, i'm sure people are but like everybody's like minding their own business and we quarantined like uh luckily in a neighborhood there's a cul-de-sac and we kind of did with together so my uh one they, my daughter has a little girl that's her same age so they've been able to play and so that's been nice and we just kind of st- stuck together uh but you know i was on the road yeah yeah that was the hard part was like i was in red bank new jersey the day we canceled it was march 12th and we canceled like three hours before the show. They had Tony Bennett there like the night before. I wish like, you were like, like, I still remember the day we canceled. It was April 15th. Yeah. <laughs> it goes, it goes, they said we're going to have to cancel, but I've been out there. I don't know. Uh, I mean, but I, you know, people are still showing up. They're showing up. Yeah, they're showing up. Uh, they had Tony Bennett the day before us. And you're like, talk about a group that should be going out like him and his whole audience you're like all of them should have been they're still still in the theater locked in quarantining they didn't let them out they're all still in there yeah once we heard one person died of this in the world they should have canceled tony bennett's tour (laughs) like they should have immediately isn't tony bennett just a hologram at this point does he actually show up i mean he comes out and does his thing dude that like uh, I guess he comes out and, uh, you know, I mean, his audience has got to be pretty old. <laughs> How old would you want to be when you are, do you have a number in mind of age or number in mind of money of when you would actually like hang it up? Do you want to be like wrinkled as shit? Fucking mean like, Oh, 
Like, <laughs> keep it going for that guy. I'm, still, I'm just hosting. It all goes back down. I'm like, all right. Uh, this young gun. Yeah. This young gun coming out. Uh, I, you know, in my head, like, number-wise, I mean, you want to be set. Like, you'd love to be able to be, like, just set up nice and you have a ton of money or something. Like, you yeah. know, I don't know. You're not doing it for the money. It's like, yeah, and I truly, like, everybody always says that you're doing it for money, but, like, you're, you're really, when you're first starting, you don't ever take it. I don't ever take any gigs for money. I mean, I, you make zero money, dude. Yeah. I mean, I was just telling someone in an interview, like, my wife said uh, when we were, like, married, she was like, if you could make $1,000 a month, <laughs> that would be enough to help. Like, you know, because she had a job. Yeah. And that's all she wanted was, like, just make $1,000 a month. Like, you know, that's it. Because that's, that's what you're making. And, uh, and now so, you're right back at it. I mean, one day I'll get to that number. You know what I mean? Again, I mean, shit. I mean, you really were like, I think about there's maybe 10 comedians that were where you were at before this whole thing went down. I mean, you really, you didn't peak at any point, but based off of old Hick or old Hickory, I was called a Tennessee kid. Uh, Based off old Hickory status. I mean, you're way above what you guys are doing in old Hickory. (laughs) <laughs> growing up in that shack that you grew up in yeah you know i mean you gotta be on top of the world you do good you do good boy fucking <laughs> no but like you you like your special came out you were selling out theaters like you made like you made it made it like like i mean it's the drop off for you is just extreme. I mean, but i feel like being down there and it not being like like where i am there's literally a morgue they dr- they put dead bodies in a in a in a semi not to get too dark but a semi truck, like that's what's going on here. You know what I mean? Like yeah, like so yeah. in my mind I'm like oh stand up's never coming back. But I feel like you're probably pretty optimistic about it coming back. But like you were selling out theaters. I mean this is yeah. you didn't buy anything. <laughs> you don't have like a mortgage right now that like, you fucked up because. Because yeah, know. I'm just sitting like it's just I'm like MC Hammer. I'm just in a big mansion. Just sitting here going like, I don't know. I'm like, that's why I agreed to do this. Does this pay, dude? Like, <laughs> yeah, a lot. Like, yeah, oh, good, good. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. will get me back on track. Uh, yeah, with this sign, I'll sell the sign. I'll give you six bucks. Um, no, but yeah, I mean, it's got to be, you know, you got to be like, well, it's never going to end, <laughs> this theater. Tour. I mean, the only way it would end is if I stopped working. Yeah, yeah, you don't expect a virus. It definitely, there is a fear I do have a little bit of a fear of just how long it's going to take. I mean, I'm hoping to take a special this year. So it was, there's a little fear that how long is this going to take? Like, when are we going to get, you know, I know they're starting to open up in some places and uh, you know, and so, yeah, we're not as, no one's as extreme as New York is, you know? And so maybe like, you know, maybe some of the country can get back together and then, you know, New York where it's crazier or California to some of these big States, maybe they have to like not take the slower time or something. I don't know. Like, yeah, whatever they got to do. I mean, I, you got to hope cause it is we're, you know, so I was doing comedy in 2008 and I remember in 2008, like when the uh, bank, when the crash happened, like comedy was great during that time. Like his people needed to laugh. I mean, obviously you couldn't be probably charging. Not, I'm not that I could do that now, but like you couldn't be doing a hundred dollar tickets and it wasn't just like crazy world. But people wanted to go out and people wanted to laugh. So for us comedians, we was actually a good, like, you know, it was, mm-hmm. you were there and people needed that relief. And so, 
you got to hope that that is able to get back. You got to look at sports. I mean, you know, I think right now you even something you're seeing from this is you're seeing how much people want to get out, like and why they like. It almost shows that like this can't go away. Do people can't just work and go home, work yeah. and go like you know, or just because the kids are having a hard time being home, they need to have some kind of entertainment. We need it. You need yeah. to go to things. You need to go to sporting events. You need to go do stuff. You want to go to restaurants and eat. So people are hopefully still going to want to go do that. And yeah. But, I mean, we are low on the totem pole of things that have to get <laughs> going. We're, yeah. that's, that's the scary part is, like, we're definitely not like, you're right. Like, you know, they're not like the government's not like, we need stand-up comedy. Back. Well, dude, in Georgia, they're opening up bowling alleys. That's the first. I love that. They're like, we got to get the bowling alleys ready. You know? Well, I've done a show at bowling alley. I'll go do a show at this bowling alley, dude. We will go down there, and uh, That's where you I've do already your special? done special. That's where I shoot my specials. Bowling alley, just hear people bowling the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can just hear the fucking pins in. I mean, you already have an hour ready to go. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, we we. Uh, I got an hour ready to go. And, uh, you know, I mean, that, that's the part that hurts is like, uh, well, you know, in this dumb world of mine, like I know there's much worse things than my stupid stuff, but if my thing in my world, I was like, I was on, I was on two, I was in the thick of it. And so I was going to be going hard from March to May. Uh, and then June, July, have some stuff and then really start back up and, august yeah and then hopefully take a special in september so i was like i'm gonna be ready for this hour i was already have the hour and i'm just kind of put it fine-tuning it and getting it where i want it and so now if you know where our plan is to start the tour back up at the end of august mm -hmm. by then you know and we don't know but just guessing and if so people if so if it goes like that i'll start back up in august and then be taping a special not too much far after that so you think hopefully wife, you think your wife is like dude just get the fuck out of here like like it's got to be like a it's one thing for like a couple that the husband didn't go away you know three or four days a week yeah i mean it's a big difference to just come back and now you're just the guy on the couch <laughs> just there every day uh it's i mean it's a lot dude. like i, I blow her world up because you know they get in routine yeah, her and my daughter like they just have you know like they're doing this and this and this. I mean, but the kids being home as long as they have to is that's that's kind of blown everybody's world up. So I've golfed a lot. So golfing didn't shut down here, uh, <clears throat> which has been great because uh, I'm a big. They just shut down golfing. I would have burnt this whole town to the ground. Uh, but <clears throat> golfing. <clears throat> Like you take away my fucking golf. Take away my golf. Wait, they the the so okay. Explain to me because I I know people are golfing, okay. But you still so can you go without ever going into the pro shop? Is that how they do it? So you can stay away from people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they did all the right things. I mean, you got you know you're you're a golfer. Actually, a very good golfer. Hey, his listeners might think he's they look at him. But uh, he's actually an unbelievable golfer. Barely played, and I think we, we shot the same great. Like you, I could see you could if you play, start playing a little bit, you'd get back to your real form. So don't buy into all this act. You, your you audience know. shouldn't buy this into this act that Andrews just can't do anything. Guy, I mean, he's a guy that can, you know, he's in the top half percent of good golfers in the world. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I know, but, but dude, it's like you do the same shit though. You're just like, I'm just a regular guy. I'm dumb as nails, but you're smart as shit. You're smart as well, shit. You I don't know. No, I'm not. <laughs> I like uh, that we fight over that. Who's dumb? I know. Come on. You're, you're good looking. No, you're good looking. <laughs> uh, you have they, gotten way better. I look at your old shit. Like you figured out a look for you. you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I'm still it working on it a lot, but like I like your look. Yeah, I, I started this. I kind of have a Mark Marin thing. I figure he'll die like in the next ten years, and someone's gonna have to step in. You know? <laughs> yeah, but uh, like it'll be puddles. <laughs> WTF? So puddles is interviewing the president, bro. With this dude, I could probably get Barack Obama in about two weeks. Like I've been getting yeah. good ass guests. I got Jake Owen coming up if he answers my text. You know? Um, oh, he's a big golfer. He's incredible. Talk about a good yeah. golfer. Like he was gonna go pro and shit. Like yeah. Like, yeah, he's a fun dude. So anyway, let me explain. Uh, so you said, so golfing. So yes, they do it all. Uh, you know, I know like California shut down, but like golfing is like no different than going walking on a trail. Like, you know, people could go outside. Like, so I get like in New York is much different. You guys are on top of each other, but in Nashville and stuff, I mean, you're in your cars, you go to golf, they close the inside. You can't eat food there. Uh, you're either walking or if there's someone does do a cart, it's only single carts. They spray all the carts down. You can only ride by yourself. So you're not near, you're yeah. just not, you know, at, at the 18 green, you don't shake hands. You just kind of walk to your car and go home. And, I like the so, idea of you putting and you keep your glove on to grab this the stick. You don't grab the stick. They put the cups. So some of them have the a thing up where you the ball doesn't go in the hole. It just bounces off the whole thing. Like and the cup is like up, like halfway up. Oh. Ours, the ours is the cups are upside down, so the ball barely goes in, and you never touch the flag. You just grab the ball, and then you do it. But I've never heard of anybody getting a cold from putting their hand in a golf cup. I mean, the odds of that. But but they're still doing the stuff that you should be doing. They're doing it the the, the now, right way. Now, be honest. Has there been a couple putts where you're like, I don't know if that went in. Like, cause like some dude, yeah. When you when the cup is up and yeah. you hit it, and then someone's like, it hit it. You're like, that ball's going 100 miles an hour. Like it would have stayed. Like it hit it though. It hit it. There's gonna be some real loose hole in ones, probably brought up during this coronavirus. Some guys are gonna come out like I had 40 of them during the coronavirus, and you're like, all right, all right. You're gonna need a drone or some shit to like see it from there, you know? Or like, I mean, our caddies drones to watch us anyway now. So yeah, that is true. We're all going to have a chip in our dick for this. But, you know, <laughs> it's fine. You know, I don't really care. Everyone's always just like, can you believe the government's going to know where you are? I was like, they don't care about me. Like, I'm I'm so low on the totem pole. Like, they could follow me. I don't give a shit. You know, I don't – I'm not one of these people. Like, oh, no. Oh, they're going to know that I'm at the golf course. Okay. Okay. I, I honestly think you're the ones they should watch. <laughs> you're the, the, the guys – I mean, you. I mean, look that that mustache, that sweater. I mean, if you that backdrop, take away puddles and just take a picture of you with that white backdrop, and someone's gonna be like, "Oh, that's a mass bomber!" Like, you know, they would just you fit the profile. Dude, I'm too lazy to be a mass bomber. I would have to fucking Google shit. I'd have to figure out where wire goes where. You know what I mean? But like, that's I know. But that's how you get into it. You get into you get into this YouTube search, and then next thing you know. You stumbled upon the dark web. 
Yeah, I think we're both too lazy to be suicide bombers. I it really seems like a lot of work. I mean, it seems the even I always thought like if you killed someone, the cleanup of that has got to be a nightmare. Like I have to kill them in the woods. Like I'd already have to be there. I'd be like, hey, let's go six miles in the woods. Hey, why don't you dig that hole for you and put yourself in that bag, and then I'll shoot you. You know what I mean? I'm not. So it, yeah, it'd be a person that's like pretty dumb to be like this guy seems like a stand-up guy <laughs> like he's a good we're gonna go hiking in the woods with no trail <laughs> like it's like wow there's not doesn't seem like a lot of people will be back here you're like yeah isn't that crazy at 2 a.m and i have a flashlight and it's just like no 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 it's it's fun there's caribou or something yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dude i mean your dad you talk about your dad being a magician a lot i, I have like a vision of you like alone in your room with your dad's cards, like, like maybe I could be a magician too, you know, like following his footsteps. Did you ever like try a trick and you're like, nah, this ain't for me. This ain't my life. Like, did you ever try? Yeah. We used to buy him cards for Christmas. That was like, that was like our version of giving your dad a tie was we would just give him cards because he always needed cards. And we would have, I like, I, I would say my line when I say it, I say, I don't know how to do magic, but I can ruin it for you. I know how all of it's done. And so I, I, I think being around it so much, I just, it wasn't like something I like drew to, like I didn't want to do it. And uh, it was just, it was just too, it's a lot of work. I mean, like sleight of making hand is like, it's like, it's like making, it's like, it's like making a bomb. Bomber, dude. If your dad was a suicide bomber or he was the guy that gave the suicide bombers the things, and you're around it and so much. And you're like, we just had bomb stuff all over the house. And I just wasn't my thing. Yes, so yes it's like that. The laziest magician. <laughs> exactly. We, it's like, how can we not have to like learn stuff? And so we do this. And then that's the easiest way. We're just really idiots. Is, man. Like, when did you realize you were like, were you hypersensitive as a kid? Like, cause you have a lot of, I feel like a lot of your humor, like you could take like a mundane story and really find the nuance in it. Like, are you like looking at shit all day? Like, do you have a lot of anxiety? I don't picture you having it, but I don't know. Maybe it's like you hide it differently. Uh, yeah, I do. I see. I'm not a big, like I never, I think I do. I started having it flying. I've started being, I talk, I talk about that on stage now in my new, like with the, I started getting claustrophobic and I never had that. Even in and, first class? Uh, it's wild. I know. Even oh, on a private, private jet. are still so close. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this private jet. I mean, it's like me and the other guy. I'm like, why do both pilots have to be here? Uh, <laughs> You're no, laying down in a uh, heart shaped bed in the back. It's tough, dude. It's uh, tough, man. Uh, no, but yeah. Not, yeah. Well, the, I got it. I'm not talking about this in my act now, but like I got it when I rode a ride with uh, at like Universal Studios with my daughter once they were out in California and we went to Universal and I got stuck like on the bar, like in between when you pull the bar down and it just opened a door <laughs> Wait, and then I flew. back. What do you mean you got stuck? Like, like it went. Like, we were riding the, the ride Simpsons again? ride. No, we were riding the Simpsons ride, and so the, you know how you pull the metal bar down, and then there's a metal bar that goes down in the middle. Oh so yeah. You sit, and so I got when it pulled down, I got stuck between the middle, <laughs> and I couldn't move my leg to like the open area, and it just like I had to stop the ride. I, I like waved my hands, and they let us out, 
And then uh, I was with another, some other friends. It was like super embarrassing. Like it was like, I mean, it was the worst. Wait, why were you in the middle? You just accidentally were sitting too close. I to just her? kept, yeah, I mean, yeah, like, and she's so little, so they pull the bar down so much, so it's kind of pushing against you. And it just, I don't know, it just, it was just a perfect circumstance that like caught, like opened a door that was wild, dude. I mean, I like, you know, I say, I, I, I say this stuff in my act. I like to say that. Just say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like, I mean, it is, it's very funny, like how quick it happens. You become like, you're like reasonable to not reasonable. And it's not even a full second. Like, you're just like, no, I'm fine. Like, then you're like, can we stop the ride? Like, you just make them stop the ride because you're, you just lose it. Uh, it happened to me. Like I have, you know, I had a panic attack thinking I, I told this story on this podcast before, but I like, I thought I was choking on a piece of lint, mm-hmm. you know, like it was all in my head. And I drove myself to urgent care thinking I was choking to death. I drove a half hour choking to death, you know? Yeah. And they thought yeah. I was crazy. You know, the person's like the yeah. symptoms usually are choking, you know? And yeah. uh, <laughs> you get the biggest symptoms is you wouldn't have made it here. Yeah, you wouldn't have been able to park, uh, like, yeah. you know, 300 feet away. And You know when you casually? waited for that guy to get out of the parking spot? Yeah, that wouldn't have happened. You would have just parked in front of the hospital. Back it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Back it up. That's a great Brian Regan joke where he says, I know. Himself at the hospital, and he's like, now nah, you go ahead. You go ahead. Dude, you have a great, oh, but yeah, so, but like taking that moment, and then I was afraid from that moment on that I would choke while eating. And then it just... I, yeah, so back saw, here, we, had, we had a guy choke and our tour manager uh, on the road right before we left. The, the last show that we did, the night after the last show before the coronavirus, uh, our tour manager choked on steak. We went to, we were staying at a, like a, some, we're in like the middle of nowhere. We go stayed at like a, a casino. Like, you know, you just find like some weird casino. You know, like this is basically the only hotel. And so we went there and like they had like a steak restaurant. So we like barely made it in there. And then we go and uh, he choked. And my, my, my bus driver is like, he was like a, he just knows how to do everything. And so. <laughs> yeah. Every so bus driver has a past, you know, I feel like yeah. every bus driver has seen some shit. You know, <laughs> They always ask them too. Like they're like, they always say, like you ask them, you know, like, do you have a gun with you? And they're like, what do you want to hear? <laughs> like, what are you going like, to like, you know, and you kind of think at that moment, you're like, I think I'm glad you do. Cause like, yeah. you're just, we parked once on on the bus on like the streets of uh, Cincinnati. You're like downtown and you hear people just walking. You're trying to sleep and you're, you know, I mean, it's much better than sleeping on the street, but you're just, you're in this bus and you're sitting there and you're just hearing people and you're like, it's kind of hard to fall asleep. Cause you're just hearing, groups yell at the bus and you're just inside of it i love it because like, like either you're claustrophobic in the bus or you could try to sleep on the street in the hood yeah you, know? you got either one way, or the other. either way one or the other i mean the you day, save money i guess by not going to a hotel so the guy's choking on a steak like was it bad like he's dying oh yeah oh yeah he, it was bad and he uh so that has now every time i eat steak or if i eat anything that like could be that you worry about getting child worry about my daughter choking like I make sure our foods cut up is so much and I've been cutting up more just cause it's, it's just something that like pops in your head. I've never been, see, I'm weird with things like the anxiety thing. Like I talk about the claustrophobic thing now, but I try to make fun of it. Like I'm not, I get people have anxiety. I, maybe I don't want to accept it. I don't like, uh, I think a lot of comedians, people, they talk about anxiety 
And uh, I, I, it bothers me sometimes because I think it's like they rely on it. Like they're almost happy they have it. And a lot of times they're, and I, this is where I go back to, I always think about like a regular person, like a person that just is like, they're in this coronavirus that can't work. And like they live paycheck by paycheck. Like that person, they could have it. They, you don't hear them talk about their anxiety. They don't go talk to a therapist. They don't like, they can't afford to go talk to someone about their feelings. Like it doesn't, like it's insanity. And so like when, and look, most of these guys are my best friends, but they always talk about like a therapist and you're like, what are you crazy dude? Like, like what audience do you think's like, ah, oh, yeah, let's hear you talk about like your problems of like, you can afford everything. Like yeah. you can do whatever you want. And so your anxiety, you, you're, you have enough money that you can have an anxiety that you can even just have it. Yeah. You know how I many people can't even afford to have anxiety? They can't. They can't be like, oh, I'm overwhelmed with something. Like, they're like, yeah, dude, I don't, I'm, I'm going to die. Like, you know, I can't eat. I can't afford food. Like, I mean, that's, that's what you know. I usually do. When I, when I mention the word anxiety on stage, like, I'll sometimes open with it and I'll talk about, and I'll just go, I'm inside. Like, I'll even, when I say it, it just sounds like inside. <laughs> and then I'll say, like, if I'm in the country, like we performed in Tulsa, I'd be like, you know, I go to a therapist. I know you guys probably just you know, kick a cow, put a lipper in and fuck your wife and then you're good. Yeah. And they're all like, yeah, fuck therapists, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. But there is something to like, I don't know. I mean, I'd love to like, you know, I don't think it's ignorance in the idea of not like trying to figure out why you get sad and anxious, you know? Yeah, but, I, 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 I agree with that. But you got to look at like, who can afford to do this? Who could actually well, have the time I'm, to go do it? Yeah. I mean, good. It's like you're, I mean, Yeah, I know. I hear you. I hear you. I just think like like a golf swing, right? This is how I look at therapy because I've done it and I don't do it anymore because, uh, you know, my therapist, you know, I ate her out and then she got, no, no. <laughs> <I didn't laughs> it got her. real weird. Yeah, it got real weird. It got real. No, but like um, I look at it like a golf swing, right? Like when you learn how to grip a golf, like a, a club, and then you uh, and then you like taking a lesson. You took a lesson, right? You go, you yeah. take a lesson, you figure out the, the basics, and then you yeah. can build off that like crazy, right? Yeah. But it takes that one lesson. Yeah. So with therapy, I really do think like you only need a month or two of lessons, and then you kind of have an understanding of, oh, where am I at? Like, why am I this way? Why am I getting claustrophobic over one, putting my dick in a Simpson, <laughs> like in the middle of the whatever? Like, and then. I could like use that knowledge on my own for later. That's yeah. how I think like, so the money thing, it's like, all right, do it for a month. Just figure out what your childhood was about and why you act a certain way, why you yell at your wife when the Steelers lose, you know, yeah. like why, you know what I mean? Or like why you throw, you know, yeah. a club when you miss a putt, even though you're not that good. Like, yeah. Like, I don't know. That's how I look at it. But yeah, I see. Yeah. I, I look at too, like the idea of like everybody blames their parents. And uh, I try to talk about this on stage, but like everybody blames parents, their parents of being like, they're the ones that did like, we, dude, when I grew up, my parents didn't have enough money for me for a Happy Meal. The, and Happy Meals were 99 cents. How about a sad they meal, huh? Come on. Yeah, they, 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 well, they had plenty of money for a sad meal. Uh, but like, they didn't <laughs> what is have a sad so meal? Like, is that even a burger? Or is that just an imp? Uh, you don't get the toy. Yeah, it's, someone else's, it's, it's someone else's Happy Meal they left and they left some fries in the bottom. And you're like, ah, I appreciate it. You know, I just appreciate something. Uh, 
But like, if you blame your parents, like, look, if you grew up in a nut job family, then that's a told that now we're, you take it out of this scenario. But if you grew up with just like, I don't know, you're mad that your dad wasn't there because he worked a lot or something like you like grow up to like, you know, people don't have dads. <laughs> like, you know, like it's like if you had both parents there, you're already above everybody and most people. So you, you got to just like take everything. And I, you know, Howard Stern always like, I love Howard Stern. Like he always talks about therapy. I get that dude having therapy, like, because he's at such a high level, you know, Chris Rock did a joke about that. Like where it's like, you can't complain. Like, cause like Chris Rock can't complain about like not having, you know, being like, I didn't get this movie role for $5 million. Like in his buddy, that's a plumber is like, I mean, I would kill someone for $1 million. Like, yeah. Is, and so like your complaints, you have a hard time of who you can complain to because it's more yeah. successful you get. It's harder to like vent. Like, you know, you can't just be like, my boss won't let me like do something. So you yeah. need someone higher to talk to. But to your point, like you've never been more successful in your life. You've never had more freedom in your life. You had a moment on a Simpson ride and then that changed the way you think mentally. So to equate finances with mental health, then it's like, well, you know, like, so like, like my, my cousin, for instance, their parents stayed together. Their dad was like the perfect dad, always at the games. The kid was, these kids are fucked up, you know? They were really, yeah. but me, like I'm fucked up. My dad, my mom cheated on my, or my dad cheated on my mom, married the woman they cheated on with. My mom became an alcoholic, pill popper. But my dad was a doctor and had money. So it's like, and I had a new car at 16. So it's like, well, why are you complaining? You got this new car. So I don't know. It's like, it, but I get what you're saying. I, I do get. Because what with that, with that exact example, and the other side I think of is because someone else had to deal with that and their dad didn't have money and, but they just had to deal with it. Yeah. Like, and they didn't get this. So like, I tend, like, I, I'm not saying, look, I could maybe, maybe I can, I, you know, there's part of it. Maybe it's how I grew up. You know, I think in my head, I look at it as weak. Like, you know, I look yeah. at it as like, you're just like making excuses for yourself and, and, but I'm not saying that, that I shouldn't be the other way. I, it's hard for me to turn over to accept that. I mean, like I've never talked to a therapist and, you know, and I've thought about it cause I know everybody does it. Everybody in our world does it. Uh, and so maybe something great would come out of it, but it's hard for me to like make myself go do it because I, I, I just could feel if I start complaining to this, uh, yeah. person, it's like, and then, you know, you just would feel, you're like, who, like, what am I doing, dude? Like, you know, like, <laughs> no, everything's know. going good right now. It's like, it's just hard to. I looked I'm at not, it that way my whole life. I was just, yeah. and I'm not saying that like, oh, and then I fucking figured it out. Cause I, obviously I haven't, you've seen my apartment, like I'm a yeah. disaster, but in mentally. Uh, you're showing the nicest part of your apartment right now. Yeah. 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 It's just yeah. this wall. It's the only one without yeah. blood on it. Um, the, uh, no, but like, I get what you're saying, but like forever, like I was like, I could throw a football 50 yards. I, why do I fuck do I, I'm not weak. Like I looked at it as weakness as yeah. like getting help is weakness. And then my best friend growing up went to West Point and he was in Iraq for four years. So every time like I had a complaint, like, Oh, my real estate deals. And I was like, Oh, my best friend Danny's in Iraq right now, you know, having the time of yeah. his life probably. No, no, no. Yeah. But like, yeah, he's living it up. Yeah, real estate his house yeah he said selling real estate in iraq on top of being in the armies you got two checks coming in this guy's loaded probably 
<laughs> yeah, just that free oil, just putting it in his pocket, yeah. bringing it home. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those army pants have four pairs, have four fucking pockets. I mean, yeah. come on. That's $80 a barrel times six. <laughs> so, but like, I would do that a lot. I would always like compare myself to him, like be like, well, I can't complain because, you know, that kind of shit. But I, I think your problem's your problem. So once you start thinking about like, well, this person isn't complaining and they're way worse. Well, that's them. Like maybe that made them stronger to deal with it too. Like maybe yeah. not having a father like made them stronger to not need to have be more mental tough. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I mean, it's, it's definitely, um, I definitely see both sides, but, uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, I definitely see the other side too. I definitely, I, I definitely get it. And I definitely, you know, I, uh, you know, I don't know. I, mean, I feel like what we do is we talk to an audience and you want that audience to relate to you. And so sometimes you have to like, you know, but maybe your whole audience goes to therapy and they want to hear, there is an audience of that. And so they want to hear those things and mm -hmm. maybe people don't go and they need to hear to get the courage to go, uh, you know? And so it's like, whatever, you know, but it, yeah, it feels a very like privileged problem. And sometimes I'm just saying it to me. And so then I've always been, uh, weary of it, but not saying that I'll never not do it or, you know, how are no you idea. feeling? So let's say you're afraid of flying now because of claustrophobia. What are you, what are you doing to, dude, I have the best scared of flying story. My little brother, I'll tell you real quick. He was flying he was in the back of the plane. He was freaking out. Right. He was like 12 and he was like having superhuman strength and he was like fighting. I couldn't even hold him down. I was 18 and, um, mm -hmm. and he's crying, like going crazy. And finally the, we get to cruising altitude pilot comes back. He's like, Hey man, I just want to make sure that you're all right. And I'm going to, I'm telling you right now, you're going to get home. All right. And my little brother looks up and he just goes, who's flying the plane. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, it's the funniest thing. Yeah. I've and I think I've told you, you tell that on stage. I have. And you know what? It doesn't hit like I, it hit really hard at his wedding, <laughs> but yeah. like, yeah. I don't know why I feel like that's the funniest fucking line. Don't yeah. you ever have like those lines? It's the most logical line. Like, uh, but that's a, but you got to look at that. That's a, that's a story that you'd like, it, like maybe it's not working right now. And uh, sometimes with those stories, they're, they can't stand on their own, even though they're so funny. Yeah. And so you have to find something else. And like, so one day you're going to come up with some joke about something flying or your brother or whatever. And then it ends up being something you put into that story yeah that ends up being a bigger story like i've had stuff like that happen where you know i my iced coffee with milk joke was like the big joke and uh that all started because i always had a thing when i said i've never bought milk in public and uh that came from like a, an idea that i had with milk like milk is only in your life if women are in your life like because like is it when you're a single guy like you I've never, never bought milk. milk? Well, actually, I'll buy I'll buy milk for cereal sometimes, but yeah. Yeah, but your milk is just never you yeah. know like growing up with a mom, you're always like, we got milk. Do we need milk? Milk is just that's all you talk about, <laughs> and then you move out on your own, and then you just don't buy milk. Like you're just never doing milk, and then you get married, and now milk is like very much back in my life, and so like I thought of it like that idea was thought by itself there. And then that iced coffee milk thing happened. And so then that all that whole big thought just came into this one line of I've never bought milk in public. 
it's a, like something like that. If it's yeah. not working, it's like you end up having to do something like that where you got to just piece it together with something else. And then it can be a huge line in that. I story. feel like, like if you told that story for some reason, and it's like, I, I'm a little, I'm not jealous of it, but like I'll watch your stuff and I'll be like, this motherfucker get a laugh just reading the back of like, and I'm not trying to say that like, it's just like a great thing. Like you could literally like, you have like little subtle jokes before the ending of the story that you're already getting hard laughs off subtlety that a lot of comics can't get. And I don't know if you're pausing like the way that, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think they could kind of tell that it's like, you know, like half, like, like your, your sarcasm plays subtle, but I don't know. I, I don't really know exactly what I'm saying with this, but like, you, if you told that airplane story, you would get a hard ass laugh off that, off mm. that tag. And I don't know yeah. what it is. Like sometimes I feel like with your writing, like you almost don't go to that like uh, in threes kind of thing or that like specific, like you know, like that. Well, that I do in my, in my head. Yeah, I do in my head. Kind of can sometimes do threes, but I don't think of it. It's kind of good. You got to go with like the way it's going to take you, and I think it's not trying. Like in a weird way, like you're not like, you know, it's not like, and this is the funniest part. And it's like, ah, like yeah. you make sure the audience knows this is the part that's the funniest. Uh, you just kind of, everything's told with the same kind of tone. So everything, I mean, obviously you can go up and down. I'm even trying to be a little more moving around than I ever was. You know, I used to just never move I used your to last stand. bit on tennessee kid like you really give it to him like that's like yeah like, that's me that's that's my dane cook inside of me that's just like boom like you went like this. I used to, <laughs> yeah i had a joke I, i've talked i talk about this uh before but like i had a, my i had a joke about having an inside the park home run off a wall oh i love that and when i describe that, it yeah did that really that happen yeah that, yeah yeah truly happened every story of mine is basically all exactly true me too. And I get so, questioned all the time. To, yeah. And it's easier right. to build off that. But like, so I had to, a joke where I would say, I go to third base. My third base coach is telling me to go around. I move my hand like this. That was like, a, I had to like work, make myself do this. I was very uncomfortable because you get, you're in this box and you feel good here. And then the second something goes out of that box, you're like, that's ah, not, I don't like that at all. That's, that's not me. I'm the like, complete opposite. I, especially on a theater show. I'm like, I'm pacing like I'm all Chris over. Rock almost. And if yeah. I'm just standing there, I'm like, my words aren't enough, you know? Like, that's yeah. the kind of shit that goes through my head. But I'll do storytelling shows at the Moth and stuff, and I'll be, you know, Mike is in the stand. I'll talk like this, you know? And I want to get to Do you cry? I cry a little bit, you know? I'm like, damn, I'm dead. He fucking <laughs> went to Iraq and got gasoline. <laughs> yeah, you're like, <laughs> that story ends up not being... Like, I thought it was your buddy. You're like, I don't know. Whatever, dude. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I read it about it in an article. Dude, all uh, my stories are true, bro. They're all, all true. All my stories. Are you questioning my stories? Bro, I also feel like your name is fantastic for stand-up. Like, oh, that's great. It, it made me think about – I was thinking about your name <laughs> right before this started. I was like, Nate Bargassi. And I was like, it's like Zach Galifianakis, your name. Because it's a very common first name that everyone can relate to. And then it's like, Hey, but Hey, over here's a little jazz. A little, That's last name. A little, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. a little fun. Yeah. We, uh, so we were, uh, it's a, it's Italian. And so like, I was like, you know, we're like, we're Italian. We have family like in Italy, I guess, like kind of by Switzerland. 
and they uh, then I did 23andMe and 0.0% Italian, none. <laughs> and like the whole, our whole family's existence is we go, yeah, we're like Italian and it's zero. And I had- uh, What are you? Like just whatever normal, you'd be European, like just a mix of a bunch of stuff. Okay. And then, and then my, I told my, an older guy in our family, a cousin that's older and uh i was like it's no italian and he was like ah, it doesn't they don't know what they're talking about like he won't he's like too old to like accept it like you know it's like he's already like he's 70 something years of being italian and it's you know and i get it you're like yeah he's like I, this is what we are dude i'm not i'm not changing my whole <laughs> well because like, like you think of italian american they lean so like it becomes your whole thing like yeah. I'm Italian. I like meatballs. This is who I am. And then someone's going to say I'm zero points. Like that's zero. Ins- <laughs> it's, ins- it's insane. And so it's all just gone, you know? So how do you even get the last name Bargazzi then? Well, they came from there and then uh, they did come from there. I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe they just went there. I don't even really know the whole history of our family. I don't uh, think, I was uh, making a joke about that. I was like, we all care about our legacy, but I couldn't tell you where my grandpa grew up like, or like my great, especially my great grandpa or my great grandma. I couldn't tell you three facts about them. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It's cause we're, yeah. It's like, I think back then it was more family oriented. Like it was more about knowing where your family is. And then the farther you get away from that, the more you don't think about it and you don't. And we have a lot of like cooler things. Like you could go like, you know, we go phone. Yeah, <laughs> we could FaceTime with them in Italy if we wanted to at this point. Like, you're, you know, so it's like, yeah, we're, it's a higher level of like, you have magazines to read. Like, you know, you're not having to like go look at your family tree and be like, well, we came from this. Yeah, I would know who my great grandfather was if I was sleeping next to him. Yeah. You know, this old dude spent the night at her house last night. <laughs> you know, like I thought it was weird. <laughs> and he hasn't left. Yeah. And he hasn't left. We, uh, we supposedly had someone in our family that was in the circuits. Uh, as well, and they were like tightrope walkers. What? That was in your twenty-three yeah. and me? No, yeah, oh. it's been shown. No, no, no. <laughs> You're eighty percent tight walker. I got a little elephant in me from the circus. Uh, they, yeah. No, the, what's funny though is like I got told that once, and you know I've become more curious of a person as I got older. Because in comedy, you need to be curious, and. But, but then someone told me that and I was like, all right, like, and I just didn't ask questions. Like, I mean, like I should know everything. I'm always blown away by people that know every, like they, you know, but they know about their town. Like I've, t- I've talked about this. I've tried to make this a joke. Like this will probably be my next, not this hour, but the next week. But I try to make a joke. And that's some things too with your material. Sometimes you're not the comic ready to tell that story with your brother. Like you just could be, sometimes you have to go like, all right, this is very funny, but for some reason it's not, it doesn't work right now for me. And then that's when you hold on to it. And then it will be my other stuff is like, I come from a pretty dark mind. So my comedy tends to be pretty, uh, not edgy. Cause it's not really that dirty, but it's just like, I tend to, uh, like finding like, so it's kind of like a wholesome story compared to my other shit too. Yeah. But, I don't know. Anyhow, but yeah. So wait, what were you saying? Oh, the town, like knowing about. Yeah. You. So like when someone knows about their town, like when you go, like when we go on the road and like uh, you talk to someone from one of these towns and they just know everything about the history of their town. And if you asked me about Nashville, I would be like, I don't know. 
Like we, bro, I, I remember we got for four years. And so, and New Orleans is one of those places people visit and they're like, what restaurant should I go to? What's your favorite part? What's some history? And it's like, dude, I know three bars. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. Even know those well. You know, I don't even know where they yeah. are. I couldn't tell you how to get to my third favorite bar in New Orleans in car. Yeah. Because I was just drunk all yeah. the time or whatever. Yeah. I don't, I've never felt, you know, I'm from Florida, but I don't know. I mean, did you move around a lot? Did you grow up in the same house your whole life in like Old Hickory or whatever? Is that a, how small uh, is that town? Yeah. Uh, it's like a, it, I mean, it's a suburb of Nashville. I mean, oh, okay. like, it's not, it's not like you drive to like nothingness and then there's a stoplight. Uh, I did, there was kids that would go to our school that grew up in like one stoplight town that were farther out. But Old Hickory was like a suburb, but it, but it is its own identity. Old Hickory was definitely a place that people were proud to be from. And we had, there was an Old Hickory village and, uh, I love it. That, if you know everything about old Hickory now. I go, well, you know, four. <laughs> well, I did learn Andrew Jackson. So is from here because old Hickory is his nickname. And then I knew we were a plant town. DuPont had a plant here. And I knew that just because when like, I was like trying to create a show and I had to like look up stuff to uh, like learn but all the houses, the houses, one of the houses I grew up in was a house that was built for the plant workers. So everybody that lives in my town worked at this plant, except my, my, my dad was a, is a magician and was a teacher as his day job. So like, we didn't do the, we weren't like, you know, other dads were like coming back from the plant and my dad had clown shoes on. Driving home. Uh, these guys are all, these guys have fucking dirt on their face and like just the goggle. You see the goggle, yeah, like, the just goggles like white. beat down and your yeah. dad's like honk honk with fucking, honk makeup on buzzes in in a vw bug like just... with 40 other people in it that you don't know <laughs> <laughs> does your dad i was thinking about this too i was like does your dad watch netflix and he's like these fucking magicians ain't shit like like comics watch like other like Where they go they have there there is a world they did but he looked like justin Wilman's on there and uh my dad loves justin Wilman, and justin Wilman's great and justin Wilman was very nice and knew my dad my dad's very known in the magic world He's about to be the president. There's an international brotherhood of magicians and it's a huge thing. And it's, uh, it's like the, uh, and so he's going to be the president uh, of it this coming up in July. And so a lot of people knew who my dad was and they, you know, cause magicians, I mean, there's only five famous ones, you know, like, <clears throat> uh, so. Oh, sorry. Shit. That's my door. Dude, I live in like one of those apartment buildings where someone will just press every fucking button and they're like, well, oh, yeah. you got to come to the door. I'm hitting it four times. It's on you. It's like, no, this I is. Did, I delivered FedEx when I first moved to New York and I, <laughs> and I would do it because you just, you just want the box off. And so you don't want it. So you're just like, you just hit all of them and you're like, gotta buy, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. It's insanity. Dude. Um, Freaking! Oh, so wait, what were we saying about your pops? About your dad? Oh, being five musicians or musicians, magicians, magicians. Yeah. Uh, so like super, like super famous, and a lot of them do very well. Uh, but they, you know, Matt, he watches magic and likes it, and they they got a tight knit group, and he's known in that world. And so like, I always remember when I met Justin Woman for the first time, like he knew who my dad was, and uh, it was very nice you know, complimentary of my dad. And it was very cool to like, you know, uh, come Harrison Greenbaum, we know, it was like, he's, he does magic as well. And 
so that he knew my dad. So that was always, it was a very nice thing when I got to meet uh, magicians that were in the comedy side of things. And they were like, they knew who he was. And it just showed me too, how big he, like, you know, how, how much they respected him, which was cool to see older. Cause like, you know, growing up, I was just home. And then to go out and be like, oh, he's actually, he's got a made a name for himself. Yeah, it is interesting with that. I, I've been running in that lately because, like, I'll be on, like, Insta Live with, like, of whatever, a reality celebrity or, like, some kind of, like, and they'll be like, who the fuck is, who's this guy? Like, if you don't know who someone is, the first instinct for anybody is to discredit them. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's just, like, I don't know why that is in our, our society. It's, like, unless you're known by a million people, you ain't shit. And it's, like, why is that our first thought? You know what I mean? Yeah, your thoughts should be like, maybe I don't know something. Like, I like the verse. I just had it. I'm doing a thing for the NFL draft today uh, for the Titans. And so they posted, like, we're doing, I don't know, something tonight because it's the first night of the NFL draft. I don't know when this is coming out. But it's uh, – but it's so they – I saw a comment. They posted me and, like, to the view. And the first comment's like, who are these people? And, like, that, you know, and you're like, I just saw it. And you're, you know, you're like, I don't know, man. Like, I'm not, you're like, yeah, dude, we're not famous. But, like, it's a, you could also just not write anything. You could just ask your wife, who are these people? Or you could look them up, maybe. Like, you don't have to say something. <laughs> dude, they, it's so they, true. It's so true. I don't know who any of these people are. And it's like, you're like, well, could you put that I'm from Old Hickory on the flyer? That I've yeah. like they like they list you the NFL draft Nate Bargatze Tennessee kid Netflix, like they got to give your credits yeah to just saying they're like oh people are like oh, oh uh, seems like he they, uh, I went through a bad thing with I, I ended up like I took all social off my phone I have Instagram now but I'm it's about to be gone too because during this time I was like I can't just be looking at this all day like it's too much it's uh my your my mood is better because of it because I'm not on it. And uh, <clears throat> so I, but I, I got caught like in looking at some comments, like I usually do pretty good and don't look at them. And then I got caught looking at some and I, mean, I just get ridiculed when I do interviews, like, cause they're like, he has no energy. And like, he's like, he's the most boring per you know, all this stuff. And it's so infuriating. And sometimes I do look at it and I go like, well, maybe I should have better energy in some stuff, but sometimes it's hard. Cause it's not like a fun conversation like this. It's like you're getting interviewed. So I, I remember doing something on the radio show once and they like said that. And I'm like, well, because the people were like fans and like asking me questions, like, you know, just being like, well, how did you get started? Like, yeah. but, it, but it was never any release from this. It was never like where you could be fun and funny in it. You're just having to actual answer questions. And so then sometimes you're like, yeah, it's on the person interviewing me, dude. Like if they're not fun and going to be fun, then I can't be fun. I have to just be like, well, I started in Chicago. I moved to New York and then LA. Like I have to just answer the quick, like, and then you're, you know, you're borderline yeah. trying to throw in bits, like just trying to make it fun. And you're like, that's not on me, dude. That's on your favorite also, You don't want to throw out a bit to someone that you don't think will get it. And then you throw out something funny and they're just like, you know, and then the next yeah, question is like, there. so that's interesting. And it's like, oh. motherfucker, that you're supposed to laugh. And then, yeah, I, I'm a big person though. Like I, I like respect this about you a lot because I feel like you came to New York. You're here for 10 years, but, and I don't know how you figured this out and like stuck to it, but like, I feel like you knew who you were. 
Like, I feel like a lot of people, like I'm from Florida, I came to New York, then you feel like you got to be a New York comedian, you know? Yeah. Or you feel like you got to talk faster or with your hands or you got to be dirty or whatever. But I guess you figured out pretty early on, like, oh no, I could be me. And if anything, that would probably, I'll stand out by being me more, by being Southern or whatever. Yeah. How did it's, you figure uh, that out? Like, how did you know to stick to your guns like that? Or like, well, I mean, I tried the other way too. I mean, you definitely at the beginning. I mean, I remember doing a show and uh, once I was following like Will Savince and it was a show he hosted. So it was like, uh, it was an all black show and Will would go up and host in between and would murder. I mean, just murder. And then I would go up with my energy <laughs> and it would be tough. And so I learned that like, and I, another time I followed Rory Scoble and his, you know, he's very fun and funny. Or Eric and, Myers. <laughs> oh yeah. Dude, Eric Myers would, I'm dude, he destroyed. Sam Morales hey, told me a story that Eric Myers opened for him in Tampa at off the hook or whatever. And, uh, yeah. he, he, like he said it was the hardest weekend of his life. He didn't know what he was getting into with Eric Myers. Dude. Eric is, and you, I, Eric's one of the only people I've ever said, I watched all the shows. Like, it's not like he's like, uh, I don't, I, mean, I don't think he is. I don't think he's like just some hacky comp. Like he's a killer dude. Like he's, yeah. he's someone that should be a lot bigger than he is. And for whatever reason, he's, you know, done, not gone to therapy probably. And then uh, he, but like, he's just like, but Eric is, is bananas dude. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, for me, it was like, and it's good, though, because then you're like, oh, I got to, like, bring it. Like, I got to, like, hit him. Because, dude, I mean, I'm sure after every show, they were like, you should be headlining. And I would be there like, he probably should. <laughs> like, he, he definitely. <laughs> By he the end of it, you're like, you know what, dude? I'll freaking, I'll do some, then you go up, and then I'll do uh, a little more at the end. At the end, yeah. But, it, dude, he would destroy So, you uh, follow Will's events, and then you're like, okay. So, well, you learn, I would learn that I got to, so. Something, the one thing I did learn is I had to get them into my rhythm. I had to get the audience into my rhythm. So for me to get them to my rhythm, you know, you know, when you sometimes like if you follow someone that kills you, maybe your first two jokes don't work because they got to get used to hearing your way to tell jokes. And and I came up in the era of like an era that's somewhat, I think, getting lost in some comedy where they don't think they have to murder on stage. Like they are just like they get very like, it's fine. I'm just trying to be interesting instead of being funny. And so I grew up, or when I was in New York, was like Bobby Kelly, like it was like Burr, Patrice. Yeah. So you're watching these guys destroy. Ben Bailey, dude, Ben Bailey and Greer Barnes, you would hear audiences. We'd be upstairs at Broadway Comedy Club. It was an improv. And you'd be in the upstairs room and you'd hear the downstairs room. And I mean, it would just be boom, boom. Like, and you're like, these dudes are destroying. Like they are, I mean, and so like you came up wanting to do that. So I learned that I had to get the audience in used to my voice and my rhythm as quick as I can. And so sometimes I would, I still do it. I go on stage, uh, not all the time as much now, but I can go on and be like, oh, this is going to, the seal, this is going to go. This might be weird. I would just say stuff like that. I, they're kind of throwaway lines, but they're, I'm trying to make it awkward. If I can get you to laugh kind of uncomfortably, then I got you into the way I talk. And now my jokes work, but I got to get them used to, getting my personality and then once they get your personality then you know it's like performing in front of an audience that knows who you are yeah and so you gotta you gotta you gotta learn to like get them into that aspect of it and I was just always clean so I just I'm mean, always going to stay clean I wasn't going to go I mean you know at the beginning I probably I did do stuff and I would 
I'd be doing like shows at two in the morning in front of drunks and like, but I never had like sex material. Like, so I was just, why to, like, were you, why did you never do that? I mean, I'm sure you, people have asked you this question a lot. I don't know. It's probably annoying at this point. But no, like, I don't care. Like it's uh, I just, I mean, it's, it's how I grew up, dude. I, mean, I grew up in your typical Southern Christian family and yeah. we were only allowed to watch, you know, the clean comedians and, uh, soft so porn. like you're only allowed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they we could they, they HBO would not come on after 10 p.m. and uh, they so I just grew up with that. So like I just could never do it. Like I was always like I would be mortified for my parents to. I feel like I'm dirty. Stuff. I'm sometimes dirtier because Nikki's very dirty, and I end up opening yeah. for her all the time. So her audience, they love sex stuff. They love dating stuff. You know, so I kind of, you kind of. But they would love opposite, but you get to go the opposite of that. That's what, like, I opened for Big J. Big J is the dirtiest yeah. you can be. And so, in A, you leave that for them to do that. Yeah. Like, that's their thing. I remember, you know, uh, it's like you just, whenever an opener says, like, not like when you open for someone, it's like it's your chance to do something a little different because you know that they're going to do this. So like, if it's too much of one thing, then, it, then you actually hurt them. Oh yeah. Then maybe, yeah. cause you're going to go up and do great. It's not like you're going to bomb. Like you don't go up and like, you're funny. So like yeah. you're in, if you're terrible, then it doesn't matter. But if you're funny, like you are like, then you're going to go up and like, now they're seeing a lot of the same. So then that also helps you go do, you know, sometimes something different. You know, it's hard though, coming up. I feel like, like, like you said, like, it's going to take a couple jokes for them to get my rhythm, you know? But then, like, I had an audition at the cellar. I had five minutes, you know? So then I get five minutes in a – and I also had to do the brunch show on a Sunday. Like, it was – but I had a good set. I didn't get passed, and I had a good set. I really did. I would yeah. tell you if I didn't. But I followed Jordan Temple, who's, like, a very, like, slow comic, talks about race a lot. And it's like – then yeah. I go up, and it's just like – I have a diff- – you know, I don't know, like – but like, there's way more pressure when you don't have, you can't really, uh, like, how do you do that in a five minute set? Like, I'm sure some comics will listen to this. Like, well, you got to just murder. Like you got to, so you got to like, I would say when the guys first start, this isn't for you, it's for the, if the younger yeah. comics listen, but it's like, you got to have a five minutes that destroys and it can't be the hardest part of open mics is you're having to come up with new stuff all the time. Cause it's the same comics and audience. You have to try to get in front of real people. And when you can get around real people, you need to do the jokes that you like. If someone said you got to do a late night set tomorrow, you need to have that. You need to have an idea of what you would go do. And like and then once you learn how to tell jokes, the, the, the art of comedy is learning how to tell jokes over and over again, learning how to like make them better and like get them so fine tuned that, you know, like I can tell a joke. I know where the audience is going to laugh. I could I could be I could point to a finger. And I know the word they're going to laugh on. Like, I know once I say this word now, laugh. Like, because you just get, it's, it's that, you know, it's not a free-for-all up there. You're not, like, chasing a laugh or trying to find a laugh. And maybe at the beginning when you're first trying a joke, you yeah. are. But then you got to learn how to, like, then get the joke to where you know where they're going to laugh. And, uh, you know, sometimes they laugh at different parts, but sometimes they don't. Like, but you generally know. Like, and then you can gauge an audience too off that. <laughs> yeah. You can tell when an audience is like, you know, I can tell when I'm in a crowd and like, if I'm in a very comedy, smart, savvy crowd and they laugh at, uh, I can tell when they laugh at like different parts, like mm-hmm. they laugh at everything and you're like, this crowd gets it. Yeah. And this other crowd only laughs at the big thing. 
And then you're like, oh, okay, that crowd doesn't, you know, so maybe I got to speed up or take yeah. some stuff out. But you got to learn how to destroy in five minutes. I mean, like, you, it, it can't be, when you're first starting, you can't be like, uh, I need 30 minutes. You're like, you don't need 30 minutes. You need yeah. to figure out how to do it in five. And you got to do it in five. And you're in weird positions. And you go and you just got to have a go-to five minutes. You need, like, when guys don't have go-to, you know, there's a lot of comics that you could say, what would you do if Jimmy Fallon walked into the room? And they would be like, I don't know. I mean, I saw when Jimmy Fallon watched me, there was people on the show and they knew he was there. And still did And, like, and some of the stuff that you would see them do, you're like, you know, you're like, you got a guy that can put you on a late night show in the crowd. He can just say, I want this person on a late night show. And the material they would choose shows that like, if you can't be, if you can't have a clean five minutes, it may be, in, don't, if you don't want to do it, then don't do it. Then do whatever you want to do. But if you think an aspect, guys would send me tapes sometimes to be like, they'd want help. You know, like, you know, it's like, some, like I'm like, oh yeah, I'll just give it to him. Like, it's like, it doesn't work like that. But it was funny. They would send me, like you'd take a pen and like, like. Yeah, pen. they would, they, they would send me uh, material and like, they would curse in their thing. And they're like, well, I just won't curse when I do the show. You're like, then don't curse in the tape that you're using to get on the show. Like, you can't even not curse in this one scenario. Like, so, yeah, like, you get more nervous work. from doing like Fallon or like your special. And Fallon, I mean, how, Fallon. Really? Because Fallon's like kind of, I mean, it's not live, but it's as close to live. It's coming out that night. And, and so. Did you get less just, nervous the more you do it too? Because sometimes I find with stand up, like, like take your plane thing or your claustrophobia thing. Like, Sometimes I'll get more anxious now than I did my second year in stand-up. Like, the brain's a weird thing. I don't know. Does that happen to you? Like, Yeah, yeah. Well, we comedians, we're overthinkers to a fault, and it's not good. It's not a good thing. And, it, and that's what drives all this craziness because we think and overthink. We, you know, if I have a fight with my wife, I think what I think she thinks. And, like, so it's, like, not a good fight because it's not really fair to her because I don't understand. Like I'm thinking about 50 scenarios and whatever. So yeah, like you do over time, uh, get, it gets better, but I'm not still get nervous on the tonight show. Like even right when I'm behind the curtain and they're like, you're about to go, you know, and it's like, all right, we're going. And then just everything barrels through your head of like, what if this is bad? What if this is the one, you know, cause now that I've done it so much, I mean, people don't even watch it. Like they, like, you know, when you first do it, everybody's texting you. Now I'm doing it, and people are like, "Oh, you did it again!" Like they don't even know. And so it's such a big deal. Look how quick people don't give a fuck, dude. They don't care, like, and they they they, they do fuck. they do not care. And so it's tough. It's tough to like you know, but I'll like now have the fear of like I don't want to I don't want to be the guy that like did all these tonight shows that were good or whatever, and now they're like, oh. Eh, you know, because you see some older comics that you were watch and be excited for, and they yeah. go do one, and you're like, "Ugh, that one was rough." And so, like, you're now your just fear is that you don't want to be the guy that, like, you know, I've done it for 17 years now, so I don't want to be. I've done 13 late night sets, and like, I don't want to be like, you know, it's like I ah, shouldn't be doing those anymore. You know, I feel like late night sets too have like, even if you do it the first time, it's lost its mystique a little bit. And I do think a lot of that has to do with like, 
you'll hear like Joe Rogan <laughs> talking shit about why would you do late night? Why would you, you know? And like, yeah. and it's like, well, it takes a fucking skill for one. It's hard as shit. And you should when you're first coming up. That's that's another thing that that's like going back to somewhat the therapy idea. If people just say stuff that they think, why would you? Yeah, Joe Rogan doesn't need Joe Rogan exactly used in a late night set. Exactly. He does not need to do a late night set. The uh, people that he interviews don't need to do late night sets. But when you're coming up, you need to add all that ammo to your, you know, it's not like if you go do tonight show tomorrow, like you might become famous just because no one's doing it right now. This would be a great time to go do it, actually. But but if you did the Tonight Show, I know. If you did the Tonight, do your brother story. Uh, You just try it out. Stretch it out for six minutes. And then the pilot pilot came back. Whoa. (laughs) And the plane was like, oh. Yeah, so dude. then you, but like, yeah, they, they end up like when you're first coming up, you're like, yeah, dude, that's all you, you're trying to grab what you can grab yeah. and you need to be put under that pressure to know what it feels like to like do a late night set where it's super important and you got to like, it's being filmed and it's going to be out there. And, you know, so yeah, it's like, yeah, to, yeah. Right now, a lot of people, higher comics don't have to do a lot of things. That's the first sign of, your success is when you can start saying no to stuff. Yeah. And you start saying like, I don't, I don't need to do that. And like, I don't want to do it. And then you start learning what you want and don't want to do. But at the beginning, you got to, you're saying yes, you got to say yes to everything. And by beginning, I mean, 10 to 15 years. Like, it's not like it's, you know, you either make it at 20 or 40. No, barely, no comics really make it at 30. You know, like you're, it's either you come out of the gate and win immediately or it's a long, it's a long game. It's a marathon. I mean, my thing is like, what I, what I get stuck in sometimes is like, so like I have like reality show friends, you know, or like, I just want my shit to be heard by as many people as possible. So it's like, Mm. do I feel like a sellout if I'm like, like, you know, hanging out with a newer comedian that has success because they're on a reality show and then but because of that friend and it's a real friendship, you know? Yeah. But do I, is it fucked up that I'm like using that as a catalyst to get in front of, I just need to get as many ears to hear me as possible. Especially if I don't feel like the late night route will necessarily, I'm not saying that it won't be for me, but you know, when it's like certain comics, like will help other comics. And then if you're not in that, like the cool crew or whatever, then you're going to have to figure out a way to get as many people to hear you as possible if they're not fucking with you. But then those people that don't fuck with you are like, wow, that person's selling out. It's like, well, you're not fucking with me. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. It's just a constant mind. It's fuck. a constant look. And you got to, what you have to do is you got to, you know, focus on you, stick to the ground. I mean, all, this is all normal stuff that you go through and the fact that you're, you, you know, you get, you you get jealous. I mean, dude, I, all these, you know, I started, I was when like Nick Kroll's, like I wasn't ever great friends. I, Nick Kroll's, I think one of the best dudes ever though. He's a great, great dude. Very, very funny too. Very funny. And just a genuine, awesome guy. But like you see all them, Nick, Nick and Chelsea Pretty, and they're all in movies and they're all in each other's things. And I was with all of them. Me and Chelsea Pretty did live at Gotham together. We did a comedy central half hour together. We did everything. We did new faces together. Like we actually came up and did all these big things together. And you see them. So it's hard to sometimes I would feel it. Like I would be like, why? I don't ever get asked to be in anybody's movie. Like, or 
<laughs> what I don't ever get asked to do. Like I'm my own thing. And like, so you realize that you, you sometimes are just your own thing. And like, you're not in the group that you want to be in. I was in another group and I was in, yeah. you know, and whatever it is. And so then you're like, all right, I got to just build all this stuff on my own. And it's better to build it on your own because then you don't feel like you owe, not that they owe their success to each other, but like, I liked, there's not like one thing that I like have to go back to. Like, it was only this thing that made it. It's like, you're, you know, like your wealth of material that you put out is the thing that built you. And those fans that you get, something Bill Burr told me a long time ago, he said, you're going to gain fans. It takes longer, but you gain them and you gain them for life because they find you in a natural way. So then they feel invested into your career. So the people that are finding you from this podcast or even when opening for Nikki, however they're finding you, they're invested in you because they found you. Yeah. And like, so then they want to see your success. You're not like someone that got just shoved onto them. Like that was like, you know, like watch this person. He's great. It's like they found you. And then now they're actually keeping an eye on what you're doing and watching your success as you grow. And as you build all this stuff up, it's hard. It is. It's very hard not to be, you should be jealous. I mean, you should be, you should have those emotions. Those are the things that help you drive and to make you keep going. Mm-hmm. Or that's the, that's actually the difference of someone that makes it doesn't make it the guys that can't ever let it go. And we know comics that are bitter and can never let stuff go and they get too jealous. They don't make it because they're, they get too wrapped up and too focused on the wrong thing. So instead of like looking at it as like, you're mad that that person got something you got to look at it as like, well, I'm, I'm going to get what they get. And you're going to watch people, people come back down. Like, so as, as high as they shoot, you watch them stop and then you go there and like, in like that, and I'm not not in like a malicious way. I'm saying yeah. that I'm just saying in a way for you to wrap your head around it. You go, it's going to take me longer, but I'm going to eventually get to you, and I'm going to have more. Now I can do a special more because I had to go the longer route. I didn't get the quick route. I didn't get 24 years old and I got a special. Like though, when you do that, I mean, you just have no, you know. I feel it's like hard for that person career- to churn out material. I know it's so interesting to hear you say that because you would think you would look at your career as just stand up, straight up stand up that you've had these incremental wins that are exactly like anyone, like 99.5% of people, if they were in your shoes, like that's exactly what you would want for a stand up career. Like get in, you know, Gotham, getting JFL, getting like you've hit every single benchmark. Like there's no one that can say like you've hit every one. Like there's not a, like Nikki has done that, I guess, you know? Yeah. Nikki uh, did it. Uh, but look, Judah Freelander didn't do it. Marin didn't do it. Marin didn't get like, uh, you know, Mar- I mean, Marin's wildly famous and Marin made it late. Marin's a great guy to watch. And like, he's a great, Marin's a great person to watch of a guy that has, knows his own voice. And oh, like, his latest special is fantastic. Have you seen it? Yeah. So he's good. great. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's just so good at like doing him. He's him. And like, you know, his interview with Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio, like, you know, Brad Pitt's like a fan and like Brad Pitt describes Mary and he's like, it's you, dude. He's like, I'm watching you like, and that's what you want. You want them to watch you. Yeah. That's why stuff needs to be personal. That's why stand up is better when it's personal. Cause the audience wants to either, I always like, I always would say like the audience is either they could be laughing at you or laughing with you. And it doesn't matter. Both of them are laughs but they're either laughing because you're an idiot or they laugh because they do what you do or their husband or their wife, or they relate to you somehow and going like, this dude's like, like, you know, you, they could watch you and be like, you're like my buddy that grew up. That was like crazy and like fun. Like, and, but they, that's what makes them 
drive to you is like you're that you're it's that so, person it's so funny you say that because it's like i think so many comics and i know this has become if you're listening at home it's become a very comic heavy but i think i don't really talk about stand-up as much so i think people are enjoying it but like um i feel like people especially in like the alt world they'll be like i don't want to be mr relatable i don't that's hack to like talk about that you know what i mean and they shoot themselves in their own foot by trying so hard to be uh different and it's yeah. like and and they can find other people that are different and i get that and if you want to lean into that but i do think a lot of people do themselves a disservice when they don't when they try so hard to be unique when they're already unique within that pocket of of relatability you know so. yeah you as your you as yourself is what people are, are wanting they want real so as a stand-up, they want you. You watch Chappelle and Burr and Rock, and I want them. I want to hear what they say about this. I don't, I don't want to hear what their character says about this. I want to hear what they say about this. Yeah. And so that's what essentially that people are buying into. And if you want to go, if you, want, if you like all, if you lean to like that, you like that kind of stuff, it's like, then go do it. If you want to go be wacky and like, then go be, you know, there's plenty of that too that's very funny and that can make it like, and that's huge. And like, then go dive into it. You just got to dive into whatever you're diving into full on. And I guess lastly, we should just talk about Vanderbilt and your obsession with, <laughs> I mean, it is, it's an obsession. Like how did, how did, first of all, like, so I was a pretty big hurricane fan growing up, but they were yeah. good. Like they were really they good. They were real good. I mean, they were insane in the 2000s and the early 90s. The early 80s. I mean, you, with the camo. Is, uh, we're going to figure out how old you really are. You're like, <laughs> I mean, what? 1974, I was, you know, I was about to graduate. I thought I was going to get into Miami in 1973. Dude, when they had the leather helmets and the cleats, the metal cleats that were, you know, fucking, they didn't even wear shoes. The real metal cleats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole shoe was metal. And, yeah, uh, yeah, I remember that, dude. That was, but no, but like, so like that kind of, I'm always kind of, uh, I'm almost jealous of people that can become huge. Now, granted, Vanderbilt has had a little bit more success lately, especially in baseball. Yeah. But no one gives a fuck about college baseball. Most people don't give a fuck about college baseball. Yeah. Uh, I was a pretty big college baseball fan going to Tulane. But, like, to be obsessed over a team that will probably break your heart, What 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 is the psyche behind that and, like, and – you know, my dad loves the Florida Panthers. Like, he'll go and watch their training and shit. Like, crazy. <laughs> like, I could see you doing that. Just, like, you know, going to random high schools in Tennessee and be like, who's this creep at the middle school game, you know, with a <laughs> Oh, I've followed and unfollowed kids that didn't go to Vandy. Yeah, I, I would follow them on Twitter if they were thinking about going to Vandy. And then when they don't, I unfollow them. And part of it is because there's 16 tweeting and you're like, I can't watch this guy's tweets. Like, you know, and then I've become friends with some of the Vandy baseball guys. Uh, and it's funny to be, I mean, I'm, you Swanson? know, I'm you know Swanson? I don't know Swanson. I know Sonny Gray and uh, Mike Yashimsky, uh Kirk Sally. Like, Mike Yashimsky, did he have a father that played? Grandfather, Carl Yashimsky, yeah. Red Sox. Yeah. He, uh, did he do this? Uh no, I think that was oh. Uh, uh, anyways, no, I know that that wasn't that. I don't. Uh, not, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I don't think that's who did that. Who did? That. <laughs> Everyone knows this. Yeah, everybody knows that. And the, well, they go. He's technically this way because he's at home and he was going to left field. He was going to like, left. Well, oh, you're seeing the opposite of me. I'm actually pushing. Oh yes. 
How dare you think that I don't know that it went to left field, bro? Come on. You started going up and down. You're like, get down, get down. And you're like, no one ever says that in baseball. Get down, get down, get down. I love it in uh, Major League when he's like, who gives it? It's too high, too high. Who gives a fuck? It's gone. Uh, it's gone. Yeah, that's a little bit. So yeah, so how are you? Outside. How are you obsessed with? Oh yeah, yeah, dude, that guy was funny as shit. Um, yeah. Very how did funny. you? Uh, Very funny interview. Obsessed with Vanderbilt though, being that they had so many seasons. So we didn't have the Titans growing up. So you were college was huge, and uh, all my friends were Tennessee fans. And Vanderbilt was. I had a cousin that coached at Vanderbilt. My mom worked at Vanderbilt. Uh, in the ticket office like so we just Vanderbilt was very much in our life and so I just grew up a a big diehard fan and followed them and yeah I mean it's been yeah there's been some fun I mean you know I mean it's been some wild we had a good run but I mean like dude I've seen stuff you know we were beating Georgia one year uh, and we were up 14 to 7 with like not a lot of time left and we ran a fake punt on our on our own 20 yard line (laughs) and we and and it wasn't like you ran it to like a guy that can run we gave it to our punter so we were like, it was like four and one. I love that one. too because the punter has to run twenty yards just to get to the. Like, I know they gave to he had to run eleven yards. But to be fair, our longest running touchdown was our was a punter up to that point. Bill Mary Angel had a ninety-five yard punt return. Wait, do they count like, the extra yardage or no? Is, is they, yeah, uh, I don't know. That's interesting. Uh, we had our first bowl win. Our our punter was the MVP. Like we're, I mean, if you're a punter. Come to Vandy. You get some accolades, man. You're being the history books. Like, it's – I pray to God there's one kid listening to this who fucking has a really strong foot. That's just – the strong foot that goes, like, you know what? This guy gets it. You want to be remembered as a punter? Come to Vanderbilt. We make punters' dreams happen. I mean, this guy's uh, on the NFL draft. I don't know who he is, but he's someone. I always – Vandy should always have good punters and good field goal kickers because you're like, you're going to get some work. Like, you're – I mean – this is what we do. We punt and kick long field goals. Like, just come to Vandy. You should – our punting and field goals should be flawless. Dude. We should be, like, punting you, you know, like uh, – I do feel like if you're in a dome with on, like, turf, that's, like, of, of a shittier team, that, like – Yeah. That's, like, the ideal for a kick. Because then no wind. You never have wind, you know? Yeah. Then you never have wind behind you either. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you just launch them out. I, uh Punting is a lot like golf. I've, so I've got to know Brett Kern, who's the Titans punter, who has been in the Pro Bowl the past few years. He was the best punter. He was like our MVP of our team this past year. He was – and you see the weapon that it was. He was so good. He can – he just can make it always go inside like the 20 and the 10 on the corner. He's unreal. And I've, I've asked him about it like – because it's like uh, – I was like, is it a lot like golf? Like he's actually – he's like a plus golfer. He's like scratch. Yeah. And – uh he and he's like, yeah. I mean, it is like the way they do it is like doing a wedge shot into like you know they. He just knows how to like get it where it's got to go. And so there's an art to what a punter does, uh, and they're a huge aspect of the game. But yeah. So anyway, so yeah. I grew up a diehard Bandy fan, and they. Uh, it's yeah, it's been through some times, man. Like it's uh, you know, and now I've got to. You know, I always talk about Vandy and everything, so I've like got to know some of their guys there, and it's been I've been on the field and I've watched the game on the field. I hugged when we beat Tennessee a couple of years ago. Our coach Derek Mason, I ran up to him and hugged him. I told him I loved him, 
Like, I mean, it's like, you know, he's, I mean, at that point, dude, he's like, all right. <laughs> I mean, I was like, I love you, man. And he's like, I, I mean, I kind of know this guy. Like, uh, like, you're like, is this, he's having, a, he's like, is, he's holding me. And then behind me, he's like, is this the guy that's me? And they're like, yeah. and he's like, oh, God. Uh, so, yeah, and did not, did not go there. Uh, yeah. Never get into Vanderbilt. Could not even remotely get into any college. It's a hard school. It's a hard school to get into. I remember my older brother. We visited Vanderbilt. My older brother did. He was thinking about going there. And uh, mm-hmm. I just remember they had a climbing wall in the rec center. I was like, you got to go here. They got a climbing wall. You know, yeah. like that was like my yeah. big take. You know, that's how I would like when I, I remember. Why well, you chose Tulane. Like they then you went to Tulane and you're like, wow, these guys <laughs> take it to another level. I went to Tulane. My brother went to Tulane. That's what you chose over Vandy? Oh, I didn't get into Vandy. My older brother. No, but your but. Oh, no, but he chose- yeah, yeah. You know what? I don't know if he got into Vanderbilt. He would. Uh, he's a smart motherfucker. He's he's doing good. But uh, I don't know if he got into Vanderbilt. I did all general application for college. That's what I did. If you so general app is like you could fill out one application, and there were like a hundred schools where you could send that. So you didn't have to do more than one. And that's how yeah, I mass email. My, yeah, it was a mass email. That's how I chose my colleges and uh, did, how many did you get in out of the hundred? Oh, i didn't apply, i sent it to all hundred i because it cost oh. money i sent it to four and i got into um, i got into uh bu tulane denver and florida state florida state was my safety school. oh but you um, didn't go to florida state florida state would be fun the women of florida state is insane that's where jake owen went to school actually oh yeah burt crusher went there so did it, didn't Tom Sierra? No, he loves Florida. Uh, he went to like yeah, he loves or some small school, but um, I would. I mean, dude, my main school was people's like if <laughs> were like if you got shot, that's where you would go. Like that was like my main. I was like, you a have that great company. joke about taking like I was I had a class math. <laughs> I took math. That was real. I took speech. You know, that was another thing that helped me in comedy. In my speech class, I was great at speech. And because I was in a community college with like people my age now, like 40 year old people that are going back to school. And so, and they always ask questions because they're like, you know, and you're like so annoyed that like the mom behind you is like, and you're like, oh my God, if you don't put your hand down to this class. And then you're, the, you don't realize that the mom's like, do you want to be me and back in here at 40? <laughs> then ask some questions. And you're, you're just straight up the exam like they're in there with the versions of them 20 years ago it's so funny though because they're trying to make up for though being a shitty student so they're like they go they get a binder you know they get everything that they think they need to have like nine different pens like a highlighter like nine different color highlighters and they're like when you started comedy did you go buy all that stuff like Uh, you know when you i got i remember my mom bought me a moleskin book i did i wrote a lot by hand at first i i just bought like you know this typical composition journals yeah um and then i started writing on, on my phone or my ipad and then my phone now i just only write on my phone but um, I, I write on my phone but the one thing i do do is no cards these big oh. i write my set list and so the only thing i've done i've gotten books too like these like you know you do like a gig somewhere and like they give you like one of these books and it'll always be like one page and then it's just empty because I just don't, I, I just don't write like that. Like, so I write the idea in my phone 
but but I write down set list. So uh, I have set list going back to two thousand three. You could probably sell that as like a coffee book. Yeah, yeah. You should sell it. Like, you should sell the set list, and then like on page thirty, just you hugging the coach, and then yeah, I love you. Just the same it's uh, I have them all in here. Like I have like I'll have them right there. Like they're uh, they're just set lists from you know New York early New York days. I always wrote a set list out, and uh, that's a big thing too. I think if young comics listen, have a know where you're going. Know where you're starting, know where you're ending. If you're going to fool around, fool around in the middle, but at least have outs. You yeah. got to have outs. And I think when guys do jokes and they don't have an out, I don't think that joke should be tried on stage. Like, unless yeah. it's in a very safe place in the material, you got to have an out. If you don't have an out, then figure an eye out out. Then you can actually give that joke a chance. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, those people that just say, I just go up and it just comes to me. I'm like, I write on. I used to always, like, we'd go do, like, if I was ever on the road and, like, you're, so you're at a club on the road and then you know how you sometimes go do, like, an open mic or something in that town. And then I'd be like, I'd always be like, are you going to, I'm going to do, like, my material, like, I don't, I don't have, and they're like, no, nah, I'm going to, got some other stuff I'm working on. I'm like, what other stuff? Like, they just are, like, just sitting on 40 minutes of just, material like it would make I me never so understood angry that. at an open mic when someone would bring their fucking book up and go what do i want to talk about it's like uh, what do you yeah. want to talk about i'll talk about you will not ever you're not funny and you'll yeah. never be successful that's what i want to talk about yeah just be like yeah you work you you when you work on jokes like I, I never understood it i everything that i think is funny like i'm not sitting on right now I don't have a surplus of ideas. It's not like I'm sitting on a bunch of ventilators like that. I just have to go like, you know, I would be a state that's like, we're using all the ventilators I have. Like, I don't have other ventilators. Like I don't have other stuff. Yeah. When you get to minute 58, you're like, all right, I'm done. I'll just talk a little slower here. Like like me. Oh man. I've had that with specials. I, 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 I have a hard time sometimes getting to an hour on a special. For some reason, you think that moment, everything would be slower and longer. It gets shorter. Like on a special, it's tighter for some reason. And I remember my Comedy Central hour special, I did like 53 minutes. And they were like, you got you to gotta do, like you got to get more. And then one of the jokes that made it was like a joke that I didn't think was yeah. ready to be in a special. Yeah. And I just had to do it. And like, I mean, I, but I, but I honestly, I, I could maybe do like four more minutes. I didn't have like, it's so stupid. Though. It's more like, what's the difference between 53 and 57 minutes? I mean, I get it for commercials, but it's just for like, commercials. You're only at like 40, it's like 42 or something. Oh, so. It's like 21 minutes of commercials, but they want to edit it. A lot of people would tell you, they would say only give them like 44 minutes because oh. then they can't mess with your editing. Like they just have enough material for if you're doing like a special on TV. You have a. But I think Netflix, oh, Netflix special should be under. Uh, I think should be under an hour. I think that's better. I think it's easier for someone to watch if it says. <laughs> well, if it says, you know, if you see something that says 58 minutes, like you're uh, like, oh, I can watch that. Like if it says like an hour 15, you're like, ah, it's like a whole. That's a whole thing. But for some reason, subconsciously, just think when you watch a show. If you watch a show and it's. 40 minutes you're like all right i'll go through this show real fast like yeah you know but when it says and uh, two hours hour and a half hour 20 10 
then you're like, I don't know, man. It's like when you buy like on YouTube, I've been buying movies all the time, just watch or renting them. It's three 99 instead of four bucks. You know, it's just like little things like that. It just messes with your brain. Um, But I also think dude, like my ideal, my dream would do like that, that uh, the dirty show, the 20 minute or that's like, I mean, that would be fantastic. I mean, yeah. You know, um, I got to go. I think half hour specials are not bad for comic store. I was, when I did the half hour stand up, I was like, we should all do half hours. Yeah. Dude. Every comic should do a half hour. That way you're always touring with a half hour that's not on. And then that way you don't have to build up as much as quick. And then you're able to like, just constantly like, even if, even if you didn't have a new minute, you would to an audience, you would have a new 30 minutes. Yeah, and where did the hour, like, these things, just because they've happened for a long time doesn't mean, like, whoever did an hour the first time was, like, probably pretty annoying. Like, they are probably like, dude, get off stage, you know? Like, you're, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, why did yeah. the hour become the hour, you know? Like, I mean, I know a lot of it had to do I with I think because it's a show. Garland. Yeah. Well, it's a show, though. Like, so you got to, like, when you start, like, what I've learned doing these theaters, I was told, like, you got to do, like, an hour 15. Like if you do, if yeah. you do under an hour at a theater, I mean like, but that's live. You know, I feel like that's live. Yes, yeah. they, you're exactly live. The special could be short, but live you have to give them, you know, because they're they got a babysitter. They got bro. I do. Money I do like tickets. twenty twenty five, and by the end I was like, they've had enough of me. Like the, I, I just love that stand up stink. Like no, they they want twenty more minutes. You know, like but yeah. you know what? This is the you know they maybe see three stand up shows a year. So it's like they could sit there for fucking three hours, you know, that they yeah. would and they would love it. So I don't know. Yeah. It's funny to think like, oh, no, they want more, more of me. Like, I never think like you that. can feel it. When I first started headlining so the hardest part headlining when you leave New York is you're so used to doing 15 minutes. So your jokes are very tight because they have to be tight because you got to like destroy in a very short amount of time. And then when you start headlining it makes it really hard to get, you get tired. I would get to like 40 minutes and you're kind of tired and you can feel the audience just kind of be like, ah, like, you know, like, I mean, dude, it's so crazy. And then you're like, Oh, I got to learn. Then you got to learn how to do an hour because you got to learn how to not like make them tired of you. You can't get tired and you got to do it in a different way, but you still want to destroy the whole time. But it's just, and that's when jokes get longer and like, it just kind of changes. Yeah, but you, it, it is very interesting. more of a storyteller. I feel like later, like and now. I've never. I always thought I was terrible at telling stories. I honestly really did. and like, like even growing yeah. up, like you were just like yeah, I was oh, never like a guy. Stand ups hate hearing other guys' stories. Like they're like, all right, get like. Have you ever tried to tell a stand up? Go get story? to. That's why yeah. when I'm on stage, I'm like, they just want me off because if you tell a stand up a story and you haven't got to the meat of it yet, they're like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Like I don't want. I've, you notice how bad people are at telling stories when you start hearing regular people, like they go, Oh, I got this great story. And then you, and then you're listening to it and you're like, dude, this story should be 40 seconds long. And then you like, I, I'll be just standing next to like a regular person and they start telling the story and they start putting in all this detail that you're like, cause I think they think they're supposed to put in detail and you're like, yeah, well your detail needs to be either interesting or funny. Like it, you can't, it's gotta, it's gotta service everything else. Also, you, you know like where the next, the, the end of the sentence is going. It's like, I could, I yeah. could mad libs your whole story easily. Like, if you just gave me the first half, I could write your whole story and it would be damn close to what I yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, 
no, you've become an incredible storyteller. I mean, the story, uh, the dead horse, the fucking, is so fucking funny, dude. Like, you just... I had a guy uh, Instagram messaged me the other day because I'll post pictures of horses laying down. Yeah. Like, someone will, because I get tagged in them all the time. And this guy messaged me, dude, this mean, he was like, I don't know where you get off posting pictures of dead animals. You're, he's like, if I ever see you, I'm going to punch you in the eyes. Like, I mean, just crazy, right? And so I never well, let's really give a little context. Though. Nate has a bit about he saw a horse on the road or off the road, and you thought it was dead because it was laying down. It was laying down, and you just so I was like, that's dead. So, so I, you were this guy. You were this guy. I was that guy. Well, I just thought it was a dead horse, and you're like, that's crazy. And then I thought about how, what you got to do when the horse dies and all this. And then when we come back through, I was going to show my buddy the dead horse, and the horse was standing up doing fine. So I learned that horses can lay down. And that's I'll come back that. to being a serial killer and not being able, like, we'd be too yeah. lazy to get rid of a dead yeah. horse. But, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. So. so, that guy thought I posted a picture. He thought, so, I was, you know, I never respond to, like, stuff like, the, especially, like, the hate. I don't get a ton of it. You know, I, it's not a problem. But, like, if you do get some mean stuff, usually it's, you can see, usually it's, like, 3 a.m. You can tell, like, they're drunk. And, like. And I've had definitely some mean messages. And the next morning, someone they message back like, "I'm embarrassed. I'm so sorry. I was drunk." Like, and they're actually very nice. And I'll message them like, "It's fine, man," because you can tell they just feel so guilty. But then you get it. drunk and you're like, "No, nah, really." I no, get drunk. You. I go, "You know what? Turns out, man. How about you keep your dumb mouth shut?" I just lose it on them. They're, uh, and then I message back the next morning, "Bro, I got gassed up last night. I thought you, you know." I forgot that you sent the other message apologizing. I just saw the new message. And uh, then he's like, it's cool. But then he gets drunk again. He's drunk and he goes, you what know what? Turns for an out, it never stops. Yeah, it never stops. Uh, People would they, lose uh, their mind. It would be the funniest thing. But yeah, yeah. They, so so he messaged it. But I couldn't help but message that guy back. And I was like, and I did it just very nicely. And I was like, hey, just so you know. Because uh, sometimes the people see stuff. And I don't know if they know why they see it. And so I was like, just so you know, I'm a comedian. I did a joke about a horse. This horse is asleep. They can lay down. I learned this as well, just as you're probably learning this as I'm telling you. I was like, I would, I was like, I would never post pictures of dead animals. I don't even see how that could be fun. Like, I don't think that's my thing. Uh, and like, you know, so like, and I know he saw, you know, you can see when they see the message and I know he saw it and then that he's never responded. He never so responded. I get so, no, I get so much reward of knowing this guy was filled. His message was at 6 p.m. too. Like, so I said, they're usually there at 3 a.m. Yeah. His was 6 p.m. And uh, so I love that I get to send back a message just going like, hey, man, just so you know, you're completely wrong. Uh, you don't get the context of this at all. This, this horse but is alive. Like, no, dude, like, I know that horse. That like that's down the street from me. That's a dead like because it was just a random yeah. thought. Like he's like, I shot that Did horse. It. I no, <laughs> no, I know I murdered it. What's funny is I saw the next day I saw like a raccoon dead, and I was like, what if I posted this picture of this raccoon that is dead? The next, I mean, literally the next post is just of a dead raccoon, and he's like, what are you? And you're like, I thought we were talking about horses, man. I thought we were just talking about horses. I can't post other pictures of dead animals. <laughs> yeah, or you point out the raccoon. You're like, your daughter's like, it's dead. It's like, no, nah, it's just sleeping, honey. Go, don't go. It was yeah. face. It was face down in a creek. <laughs> like it was actually some guy that I was with goes, you think it's dead? I'm like, do you think he's floating face down in water? Like you think the the raccoon's like doing like playing, like he's just like you know 
Like like you, the game you play with as a kid, play dead body, like the horse, the raccoons just doing that. Are you? Do you have any bits on your? Uh, I don't want to give it away. I was just wondering because you had that like continuation bit from the milk in the Starbucks, and then- yeah, I got people. You know, people come in that they're like, "I was do specials, just all those old jokes," and you're like, "Y'all didn't even listen." Like they don't like they go. It's the very end. It's tagged. I thought it was kind of fun to do because it's like I I try to set them up so if you didn't see them, you could do them. And then they're completely added on. They're completely two different things. The iced coffee with cream and the iced coffee with whipped cream, those jokes stand on their own. Like, they're both their own separate things. I just combine them because obviously I'm talking about the same kind of thing. (laughs) This next special is all about drafts can lay down. I learned that. And I think it's different. It's a draft's different than a horse. So, like, I I They got longer necks. They got longer necks. What are you talking about, dude? Dude. It's a draft. You gonna get a draft on a horse confused? You did the it's same thing just, last fucking time, dude. It's all the same. No, it's uh this yeah. one has no uh I callbacks. don't believe I gotta think. I don't think callbacks. Uh bro, you were so ahead of the curve with these like zoos before Tiger King. Like Oh yeah. Like that guy could I got it. You so you know the zoo in the Columbus, Ohio, the one the guy that let all the animals out? Oh, that's yeah. what made me that's how that's how I thought of that joke. So they talk about that entire thing. Uh but that's how I thought of that joke was because of that, because I remember seeing that on sixty minutes in the story about how he let all these tigers loose in Columbus. Yeah, you had a bit uh, about a tiger about buying a tiger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's all it's all there. <laughs> tiger King came Bro, out. Dude. Those are the places I, I go need- to, man. And I don't know you a comic, you re, you know the future, bro. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, what's the next animal? Who knows, dude? Maybe. Who knows, dude? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just wish I could think of a fun. I can seals. You yeah. see a lot more pet seals than you uh, think you would. You don't think you've ever touched a seal. There's going to be a time that comes where you're going to like, I don't remember not, not touching a seal. Bro, I'm going to tell you right now, right. I've touched a sea lion. Or a seal. Really? Yeah, in Co- in Dominican Republic, you know, you go to these zoos and you know they just let them. You know, they're at the ticket counter. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, they don't. It's very laid back. Very, I mean, they're the guy. The people I are. Went to a, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, I went to one in Mexico, and they had an alligator behind a chain link fence. <laughs> like it is. Like they don't care, dude. Like they have like. Uh, it's very loose. It, it, and I remember just thinking, like, and like it's a fence. It's not like two fit chain link fences. It's one chain link fence, and you're walking. You're next to this fence, and there's alligators just in it. And you're like, oh, that's not good. The best too about those kind of things is like you'll go to a guy and be like, dude, that's just a chain link fence. He's like, no, 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 yeah, no, we know. Like, like they're aware. Yeah. Like, no, no, but the gator, it's good. It's cool. Yeah. They they can't jump. They can't jump on yeah. that, so it's fine. Yeah. It's but fine. they could go under it. No, nah, but they're not, eh, you know, they don't, you know. So they got, like, electric wire. No, no, no electric. Just, no. They're cool. They're cool. It's, so anyways, the sea lion just puts its head on his shoulder and you get a picture, and he just throws it on there. You feel his little whiskers. Like, I kind of look like him. And uh, yeah. it was like, I've never smiled. Like, you know, like, that, like, kid smile that we don't do as adults where you're just like, yeah, <laughs> like, bro. I felt so happy at that moment having this sea lion's head right here than I've ever felt in my life, dude. It it was incredible. 
you do look like if they there's a movie about a sea lion coming to life like the the, the it would be you <laughs> like you would but be, it hasn't come all the way to life it's, it hasn't come all the way to life and it's trying to get a job and it's you <laughs> it's it just looks like you like trying to get stuff like <laughs> and i'm just like is he eating fucking fish out of his pockets like just full fish you know yeah my Puddles. favorite Maybe puddles is like it's not water. You can't give off too much of a hint, just a slight hint that you are actually a sea lion. They just see like a little tail underneath my trousers. I was like, no, they did not even. No, that's feet, but it's like half feet, so I can still walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not. I, yeah. It's like Splash, but for sea lions. Remember that movie Splash with the yeah. God, dude, how funny is that? That was a movie, like a fucking. What are they called? A mermaid just comes alive and then just gets fucked by Tom. Did you go see it in the movie theater when you were going to Miami University? <laughs> Probably. I mean, too. <laughs> we live on the water. I don't know. Actually, you know what? I lived on the water, but I was never, I was never in the fishing and, and stuff. Like I was never. Did you see alligators and stuff. You saw alligators and all that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We see gators a lot, but like, it's weird. Like I was because my dad's from New York and my mom's from Chicago. So like, if I fell on the wakeboard. I was like, get me in the boat, get me, like, because I was like, Gator's going to get me. Like, I was always afraid, you know? And guys are just down there in the water. Like, they don't care. They just swim, they just, yeah, they just have no. They just swim with alligators. My stepbrother got bit by a shark. Really? Yeah, just got bit by a shark and then closed up, closed up the shark bite with glue, with, like, like, super glue and went back out that afternoon. Like, it's just, I mean, my stepbrother's incredible. Jake the Snake. This is why, yeah. He's like, when you tell that story about that wedding, it's very, I, I relate to that a lot, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to uh, that family. I went to a wedding and for my stepsister, and this guy got up there for the best man speech. And he just goes, he goes, he goes man, he's like, hey, how's everyone doing? So uh, after my first DUI, a lot, <laughs> a lot of people gave up on me. And after my second DUI, really no friends left. And then, you know, after my third, DUI. Well, I swear to God, it's all true. And he goes, you know, Jason, you were my only only friend that stuck by me, and I appreciate that. What I'm saying is, if you're driving tonight, you know, I recommend not drinking. And uh, that's about all I got to say. And so here's to the couple. (laughs) That was the whole Yeah. (laughs) yeah. And he was drinking. Yeah. With keys in his other hand. Yeah. He's like, all right, I got to get out of here, though. My kids got to get home. (laughs) Like, you know, he just doesn't learn, like. His car's in a wall. Like I, I saw, there's a uh, this place in Old Hickory. I went, not this is maybe uh, two years ago, and uh, I saw this older guy. He ordered. Uh, it was at uh, this is Old Hickory Country Club. This country club that I was a member of, and but it's a very blue collar country. It's not. It's not expensive. Like some of these. That's the thing. That the people have golf. They think these. Some of these country clubs are these super rich things. And they're not all like that. Some of them are, if you're just into golf, it could be like 200 bucks a month and you can just go play all the golf you want. Like, like therapy, bro. It's like therapy. Ah, exactly. That ah. much. Yeah. Uh, I can afford it. You so you're telling me I can afford it. it. Yeah. Uh, but like, it's a very old school blue collar kind of. Yeah. It was actually the, and what I learned for the DuPont plant that I talked about, it was built for their workers. Uh, so, but this guy goes to the counter and he asks his girl, he's like, he goes, I'll take a, like double vodka tonic to go. And she was like, I don't, you know, I mean, this is like 2018, 19, like, and it's like, she's like, I don't, I can't. And he looked at her like, 
he couldn't wrap her head around why she's not just already giving it. He's like, I mean, what am I going to drink driving? He's like, he didn't understand. Oh, this is after he got done playing. This is after he was playing. He wanted one to go. Oh, he wanted to take it home. I thought you meant to play golf with it, but oh no, he wants no, 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 to drive his car home. (laughs) And he just couldn't like, I mean, I just never forget how much he looked at her. Like she, she was hesitant, but he just like, you know, you know, when someone looks at you, like, Maybe you can drink and drive. Like, you know, you just rethink the law because the guy's so confident that he's able to do this. Dude, and it's the same guy like, that smokes uh, weed while he drives a car and he's like, oh, no, we're just – this is what we do. You know, in New Orleans they would do that all the time. But I, I like the girl being like – like the hang-up was like, you only live three minutes. What You don't need a double. Like, like, yeah. like yeah, a single is enough for the ride home. You know, like yeah, that's her single, thing. Yeah, like, until you get to your next level of alcohol, he's like, yeah. Yeah, dude, people, uh, it's like, uh, you're one bit, and then we'll, we can wrap it up. But the bit that hit me so close, because I've been flying so much this year, is when you talk about looking around, and you're like, no, this plane could crash, because like, the people that are on it, just, God wouldn't really, like, not that God wouldn't care, but just like, no, it kind of makes sense. Well, it's sense. like a group, it looks like a story you would read. <laughs> and then the news, you know, it's like, there's a school group, and there's a, like all the bad stuff that happens. You know, like this couple was going on their last flight to their, they're doing a honeymoon. Or they're going on their honeymoon and they just fell in love and they're both handicapped. And yeah, it's all these like sweet things that you're just sad, sad scenarios. And yeah, you get on it and you're like, I just don't like this. Have you ever almost walked off a plane? Um, Have you ever, I've I've never done it. I mean, there's definitely times I've like you look and think. Well, to go back to your claustrophobia stuff, I guess we'll wrap, I keep saying we'll wrap it up, but we really will. But, um, how are you dealing with it? What are you doing? Well, well now you're not flying. I mean, uh, now I'm not flying. Uh, they start the uh, It's all right. Like you're afraid. Yeah, yeah. I got it going. Uh, I like that you they, you ate a bat in Wuhan to protect yourself from flying. I went along. You know, but you know that flight was miserable. But I knew the payoff was so much. How did you better. get back, dude? Yeah, yeah. You took a boat back. Uh, I took a bus as far as you can through the countries over there. I don't know where the, <laughs> until the ocean started. And then I got on a cruise ship, all the things that how you get coronavirus. And I got on a cruise ship. Uh, and they, I, I brought some, I brought a double bat to go, you know, yeah, just to go. Yeah. A double, I'll take a double for the ride back. They looked at me. They, like, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I take, uh, I take whatever the, uh, uh, I, I forget what it's called. Mark like the thing that, what Van- is it? Xanax or Klonopin? No, no, no. I think there's there's a little bit of a Xanax you take, but then the thing that also keeps your nerves, just kind of your heart rate down. Uh, oh, a beta blocker. Yeah, beta blocker, yes. Yeah. So I went and, like, so I had to go because I was, like, when this was happening, it happened, I was I was in uh, Van, no, where was I? I was in Toronto. And I did just last time I was flying to Pittsburgh, actually. And so on that plane is when it hit me on the plane. I got it in a, an Uber right before then again, it kind of went away and then it kind of came back. And then I got it on that plane and that plane, I was like, you know, where you like, the night like before, by any chance? No, no, I already stopped. Oh. Oh. I haven't drank for a year and a half or something. Oh, me too. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so then you're on there. So, so yeah, I'm on, yeah, I'm on that. And like, so then I got that I, now. So now I'll take a beta, like a long flight. I'll try to time it out. Like you just, you can take these beta blocks. You just feel like your heart rate goes down. I mean, it's, like it's, it's, it's hard, like, turning your brain off to, like, that's when you start, like, thinking about it. And I'll try to – you just try to watch stuff and distract yourself. And uh, 
So it was, uh, yeah, I don't like look forward to it. I got I want to make sure I have all that stuff. I mean, I, you know, you want it to go away. It's, 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 it feels ridiculous to have it. And, uh, but yeah, it's, you know, when our, in our business, I mean, I talked to the lady, I mean, I had to go talk to a doctor about it because I was fine in like two days and I was like, I gotta have something now. Like, I was like, you know, you start thinking about the flight before and like, you know, you just feel trapped and you feel, uh, like, you, you know, need to and, money, huh? Huh? Yeah, you know, it'd be great if I could. They should start a business where you can go talk to people about these problems. And it wouldn't that be that would expensive, be, you know? Yeah. And, and, <laughs> that would be it's, huge to go. There's to nothing do that. worse than having anxiety about thinking about when you're going to get anxiety in the future or, or claustrophobia, whatever you want to call it. There's nothing. Yeah. There's no fucking. There's nothing more annoying than wasting an hour of your life worrying about what you're going to, how you're going to feel. Cause that's why you're going to feel that way. And yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's hopefully you'll be flying again here soon. And, uh, I do really appreciate you taking the time and doing it. Again, dude, we got, it. I want to I'm a big, big, big fan of you. You're very funny. I like um, you a lot. Dude, so. I like you a lot. And then we just start making out virtually. We just you know? go, oh, yeah. Yeah, you're, I like you. You're like a sea, you're a sea lion. <laughs> sea lion. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Fucking, you know, I'll I'll be um, I gotta I gotta freaking get out of the city at some point. But yeah. Anyways, thanks again, and uh, your socials, I guess. Yeah, put those away. Yeah. You know, I can't imagine a lot of people are listening to this. So, but yeah, the people that do. Oh, this long? Yeah, we. This was like. No, I mean no, I mean your podcast, bro. I have way I'm more joking. listeners than you think. Like I, I like whatever you think, uh, divide that by three. <laughs> I had Myers Leonard on the best NBA basketball player. He's going. Oh up. yeah, he's seven feet. Wow. Nowhere near that. <laughs> Nowhere near that. One day, if I work hard, Bro, I will I really get to want it. you to be on again because I could talk to you forever. I, we didn't even get into church ball. I know. Well, we'll do it. I'll do it again. I love it. I'm a I'm a big fan. So thanks, dude. What's your Instagram? Just Nate Bargetti. Awesome. Paul Nate Bargetti. Yeah. Fully Italian. 100% Italian. That would be his next special. 100% Italian. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a bad yeah. name, actually, for it. It actually it is in a bad name, for, especially for being 0.0% Italian. <laughs> All right, dude. Have a good one, right, brother. Hey, man. Puddles, puddles. Everybody now puddles, puddles. Puddles, puddles. Puddles, puddles. Puddles, puddles. Everybody now puddles, puddles. Everybody get up because you get down. If you're getting too close, you know you're getting wet. If you're getting too close, you know you're getting wet. You're standing in deep, you're getting real wet. You ain't that deep because you're kind of shallow. Shallow in the brain and shallow in your heart. You'll never get that deep inside the water, girl. You'll never get that deep. Puddles, puddles. Puddles, puddles. Puddles, puddles. Puddles, 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 everybody now puddles, puddles, everybody get up because you get down. So when you're standing in the puddle, you don't know where to go because you're so deep, you don't know what to do, I don't know what to say, I don't know how wet I am because I'm so wet, that's who I am, I'm so wet, wet, I'm so wet. So wet, I'm so 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 wet. Now come on in. Puddles, 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 puddles.
get up because you get down and then everyone will come over here. Yep. This episode of Puddles was recorded at Remember to Be Happy Studios. Production by Becky Rodriguez and Tanner Williams. That's Human Places, The Ease of Three, and Lil Kinky 69.